Welcome to the Managing Motherhood Podcast, a place for real talk about the fun and not so fun aspects of motherhood. I'm Orliso Poole, a mom, trained psychotherapist, and empowerment coach, and I help emotionally overwhelmed moms find confidence and calm so they can experience the joy that is motherhood. Each week, I share tips and tricks for moms who want to stay in control, stay on top of your mental health, and manage the challenges inherent to motherhood. In case you didn't know, Managing Motherhood provides online therapy and coaching for moms who love their children but aren't loving motherhood. If you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, stressed out, or you're just tired of feeling like you can't cut it as a mom, my solutions-focused therapy and empowerment coaching can help you find confidence and calm so that you can actually enjoy parenting. If you're ready to ditch the anxiety and mom guilt and learn to manage motherhood with joy and on your own terms, Head over to psychotherapyformoms.com to learn more and schedule a free consultation. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Managing Motherhood podcast. I know you're a busy mom. I know you've got other things to do. So I'm so excited and so grateful that you are lending me your ears and allowing me to be a part of your day. So I am very excited for you guys to listen to this episode. In this episode, I talked to a really great therapist friend of mine, Erin Spar, and she is a therapist who treats motherhood issues and looks at motherhood through a feminist lens. And we had a really great time talking about looking at motherhood through the lens of feminism, how the patriarchy affects motherhood and what it means to be a good mother, but also how raising children in a patriarchal society is a huge weight on moms and can contribute to a lot of the stresses that moms experience. So I am so excited for you guys to hear our conversation and to possibly start thinking a little differently about the stresses of motherhood and about what good motherhood looks like for you. So first, I want to introduce Erin. Erin Spar is a licensed professional counselor and certified perinatal mental health therapist. She's in private practice providing online therapy to moms in Maryland and North Carolina. Erin specializes in helping moms navigate the transition to motherhood and all of the complex emotions that arise during this transition. She's a mom of two and lives in Raleigh, North Carolina. You can find Erin at her website, erinspartherapy.com, or on Instagram at feminist.mom.therapist. So you guys are going to learn a lot from Erin. I'm really excited for you to hear this conversation. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So we were chatting a little bit before I pressed record, and I am most excited to hear about your name change because I noticed recently on Instagram, you changed your name. I don't remember what it was before, but now it's Feminist Mom Therapist. And I'm so excited to hear what went into that like name change, the thought process behind that. Yeah, absolutely. Before that, my handle was like my name, Erin Spar Therapy. And I felt like I wanted to stand out a little bit more and let people know what you would get on my Instagram feed. And I was trying to think about what 
stands out about me. And I definitely feel like I use this feminist lens in working with moms and helping them to kind of understand their experience. So to me, it felt like, even though feminist, the word is so like loaded and I wouldn't say it's like the only thing I am, it's sort of one side, but it felt like it was an important sort of word to highlight the perspective I have with working with moms. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. So what does it mean to be a feminist mom therapist? Yeah, I think what it means to me is that I want moms who are coming to me telling me, oh gosh, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm burnt out. I'm feeling angry. I don't know why I'm yelling at everybody or I'm, you know, I'm just tired. And I, what's wrong with me, right? I, I don't know if I'm good at that. So right? some of the things that we hear moms say, I'm sure you know, I think giving them a context for why they're feeling this aside from maybe the the psychological things, their family of origin stuff, maybe relationships. I think we need to understand that they're mothering in a setting that is patriarchal, right? That's something that we know. And that impacts the pressures that they're feeling, the ways that people are talking about mothering and feeling, I think, almost oppressive when moms sort of enter motherhood. And we do know, for example, in heterosexual relationships, even though mothers and fathers tend to value equality, especially before kids, we know that moms are still doing a brunt of uh, the care work and creating the home. And in fact, it, like, the expectations are even higher now than they were in the 1950s when we thought right. of the stay-at-home mom. So I think just being able to explain to moms, this is, it's a lot that's layered on top of you that you're feeling and maybe you don't know it's there or need to be reminded. Right. So it's not you. It's the environment. It's society. It's mothering in the society. That is why you have this rage. That's why you're so angry. That's why you're so burned out. Exactly. Yeah. And other reasons, but I think it's an important one to, yeah. to talk about. I love that. I work with a lot of moms who are angry. I work with a lot of moms who are coming to me like I keep losing on my kid and I don't know what's going on. And it surprises them that we don't go right into it with, well, here's some anger management stuff and like, here's some coping skills. No, because you're not just an angry mom. Were you an angry person before you became a mother? Then what makes you think you just magically became this angry person now? Yeah. Can you talk a little bit on that? Because I could go on and on. But Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think I definitely find myself wanting to really validate um, moms. I think, why are moms angry? I think often... There is maybe more sense of control or power that you can feel as an individual person before becoming a mom. And I think the sudden like change from, oh, you're pregnant and everybody's talking about your baby and maybe there's some attention you're getting about your belly. Or, and then the baby comes out and hopefully everything goes okay. And then it's like you're on your own. You chose this. Goodbye. Here's a six week checkup and we'll just make sure, you know, we'll clear you for sex. Yeah, mm. that's important. Because <laughs> that's so important, right? At so six important. weeks. Like, uh, that's right? what we need to be talking to our doctors about. Yeah, exactly. And then moms are like, oh, what? And so often they, they tell me they feel really visible and alone. And yes. certainly the pandemic 
yes. mothers were saying, we're drowning, we're abandoned, we've got kids at home now, we have, where's the village, you know, mm-hmm. um, and on top of, you know, no paid leave for most people, right, right. not having the actual social structures to support moms. Right, right. And, you know, if I was feeling abandoned and isolated and in this new situation where people did give me attention before and now it's all about the baby and I'm expected to sacrifice for this baby and everyone just focuses on the baby. And then on top of all that, I'm finding myself being the default parent and everything falling on me. I'd be angry, too. Like oh. I'd have some rage. Absolutely. Yeah. And personally, I think it's something I relate to and experienced early on and anxiety can look different and sometimes anxiety can feel like rage I'm helpless I'm alone and it's a cry for help and actually I think it really can be effective in getting some attention but it can also be misunderstood right yes very much yeah and we look at especially I think in our field which is why I absolutely love that you're the feminist mom therapist and if you're really claiming and owning it Because I think we do, when it comes to everyone, we look at the person and their illness as an individual problem and not as a bigger societal issue. So I think it's great that you are now bringing awareness to that. Like, no, it's not an individual issue. Yes, it is things that the individual needs to work on. The individual is suffering and then, you know, by default, their family. But the cause is an individual. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even thinking about, like, I'm sure you know, a lot of work with moms is working through their own relationships with their own mothers and to talk about stopping cycles or things that generationally we've gone through, g- different approaches to parenting. So you may have a very supportive, involved parent, but they probably did things differently. And that's also impacted by the society. So I think just also understanding what, what did our moms go through? What did our grandmoms go yes. through? What kind of support did they have? How, what kind of power yeah. did they have? And how did that kind of come home with them and get passed down? A lot of times people are angry with their moms. And I think that's totally something that is valid and and people need help going through. And I think also being able to see, wow, like why was your mom preoccupied or disorganized or whatever? Like sometimes looking at the bigger cultural. Yes, exactly. How much she have on her plate? Yeah, totally. Yeah. And I also am finding that helping moms, especially when you are looking at motherhood from a feminist perspective, is about so much unlearning, like those societal messages that we've been given about what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a good mother. And I love that you focus on mom's relationship to their own mothers, you know, because are you being realistic in your expectations of your mother? And are those unrealistic expectations something that you put on your own self, which is why you're feeling all these negative feelings about your own motherhood? Yeah. And it can be so overwhelming for a hear women who don't want to pass certain things on. They're trying to be intentional with their parenting. They're trying to raise girls, maybe feminist boys, right, who are empowered and emotionally intelligent and all of this. And it's hard because... It's still a lot of pressure on the moms to to do this kind of work. Certainly right. there are dads who are, are also committed to this kind of work and have a huge role to play in this. But I know it can feel really hard when you've learned, let's say, for example, to be a people pleaser, right? As a woman in the patriarchal society, 
to be easygoing, to, to say yes. And then how do I raise a, a child to, to, you know, when this is something I've learned to adapt? And that can be really hard to figure out. It's a huge task. And then, of course, like very cliche, but it gets me to thinking again about that, just that invisible labor and that emotional work that it takes to be a mom. You know, we don't think about that, but now you've tasked yourself with undoing generational curses, right? Like, and you wonder why you're tired. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's such a big thing to try to do. That's why I totally admire moms who are trying to do this, but you're right. It's so it's so unfair to have all of that on your shoulders. Yeah. So what are some of the ways that mothering in this society and mothering within a patriarchy can affect moms and their mental health? I think one, I think we talked about sort of like anger, right? So feeling like unseen, unheard, unsupported, abandoned. Sometimes people don't feel angry, though. They shut down. They go, they go inward. They criticize themselves. So that's one area that I'm often helping moms do is like, no, like this isn't you, right? And if you're feeling bad to not pile on with more suffering, right? Self-judgment. And often it's figuring out how to be more compassionate um, with yourself. So yeah, so I, I think moms feeling like, well, be I'm not good at this when really they don't have the structural supports. Yeah. To be successful. Yeah. And so noticing that I think helps one free yourself from self-blame, but then also helps you say, okay, well, this is the reality. This is what I'm mothering in. So where can I cut? Where can I cut the fat? Right. What can I push back against? I can't meet this idea of the perfect mother. I know that that's not realistic. So what's going to be important to you? What are my values? And so I think seeing that helps you to say, okay, but I don't need to live up to the sort of patriarchal view of the the perfect mother who's a martyr, who's doting and self-sacrificing. So I think that's something that that is helpful. Yeah. So in our society, we have this image of this perfect mom that we're all trying to strive to. Like even myself, I remind myself all the time, no such thing as a perfect mom. But we have this idea that we're all trying to strive to. And then at the same time, We're lacking the support. So it makes it impossible to be that perfect mom. Mm -hmm. So what you do is a lot of teaching and unlearning and helping moms to have that, to realize, first of all, that it's impossible, but also to help them realize why it's impossible. Mm -hmm. Look at everything you're up against. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't expect the moms in the trenches to be advocating for things like paid leave and child care. But I think those of us who do have some energy now, like I think that's something that we need to be advocating for, you know, collectively. No, we need these supports. But the mom who's like in it, yeah, if she can certainly get support, but not every mom has it to get. And so noticing that and being able to do what you can and and not blame yourself for something that's really hard yes understanding that it's not you like you know you just happen to be mothering in a system that makes being that perfect mom impossible yeah yeah I love that what do you say to the mom who wants to be a good feminist and she you know doing traditionally gendered roles so the mom who wants to be a good feminist and raise independent feminist children 
but she happens to be a stay-at-home mom or the mom who wants to be a good feminist, but now she's feeling guilty because she's traveling across the world, quitting her job and following her husband to Asia. What do you say to that mom who comes to you and she's like, I want to be a good feminist and I feel like I'm failing at it? Yeah, I definitely never tell a mom she's failing as a feminist for any reason. I think feminist is just about wanting equality, right? And so I think the point is having a choice. So if this mother has a choice, if she's in a relationship where they work it out together and they both feel like this setup works for them, awesome. There's so much power in mothering. I'm a mom of two boys and I feel like every day teaching them things like consent, right? You don't want to hug, you don't want to kiss. Okay. In our house, we listen to boundaries. Just doing that, talking about bodies and talking about relationships and talking about women in a positive way and talking about men, talking about emotions with my little boys. There's so much, I think, power in our mothering. In fact, it's, you know, the, the way I think we're going to change the world. So, yeah. So I wouldn't say that the structure of their, how much responsibility they may take for, for the caretaking at home matters. It What matters is that they feel empowered to make those choices. Yeah. So mothering in itself is feminism, right? Like, yeah. There's not one perfect ideal of what it is like to be a feminist mother. Yes. Yeah. And if you want to work outside of the home, you should be able to do that and still feel like a good mom. If you are the sort of primary parent and you're putting everything into that, awesome. But the point is that we should have supports and structures, uh, like a systemic way to be able to support moms to, to have those choices. And what about on the other end of the spectrum, the mom who says, well, feminism actually has no place in my home. We stick with stri- very strict gender norms. I'm a stay-at-home mom. I do all of the housework. My husband goes out and cooks. There's no room for feminism here. What do you say to that? I've never heard that, but I think if there's no problem, there's no problem. I mean, I'm getting people who are saying, I'm overwhelmed, I'm tired, I'm frustrated. And when we look, okay, what about the fact that my husband is able to to leave and, and have these certain privileges? He can just go away for the night. But my baby is attached to me all night long and I, I can't seem to get a break. Be able, to, be able to notice, sometimes there's still privileges that maybe you can't control or change. But just like noticing them can be helpful. So again, I don't think it's just about changing something if it's working for you. But usually when people are frustrated, part of it is these are the things that come up. Yeah. All right. So it seems like what you're telling me is feminism isn't necessarily about every single little decision you make or even the day-to-day doings in your poem, but really about looking at motherhood from this broader lens, looking at motherhood in the patriarchal society that we're in and saying like motherhood is really hard and moms across the board need more support. Absolutely. Yeah, I love it. So I know that you are a huge advocate for intersectional feminism. Can you tell me a little bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, I think certainly white feminism has its history and that it has its limitations where other groups have sometimes felt, particularly Black women, and have felt like left behind. And so 100%. I think, it, yeah, I'm, I'm curious your thoughts about that. Yeah. So as a Black mom, I will say I identify as a feminist, 
But there's also a lot about the traditional feminist movement that has been very disappointing to me. And I think it is very important to understand, you know, as feminists as a whole, we all moms of all races have to stick together. At the same time, I do think it is important for feminists who are not people of color to understand the importance of uplifting voices of people of color, to understand that even in your day to day, without you trying, you are upholding white supremacist values and to purposely and intentionally try to dismantle that by putting people of color at the head of your feminism instead of being a feminist and then people of color just there. Because what you do is you just kind of repeat what's going on in the larger society where people of color are silenced and you're not even trying to do it. Mm -hmm. So that's how I feel about feminism. But that's my perspective. What do you think? Yeah, ab- absolutely. Obviously, I'm I'm a white woman and and I have other privileges of being a white woman. And I remember there was like that parade a little while ago. Was, like, there was some sort of like march. What was it called? The one with the pink hats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I know what you're talking about. I just remember feeling that there was there's so many like white representation of like feminism. And I, I think that we need to include all groups that are oppressed. I think that obviously also includes like LGBTQ people. And so I know white women, we have an ability to sometimes speak our minds and to be angry, right? Or to say things that I know black women don't often feel like they can. So my goal is to try to be intersexual, try to highlight and lift up other voices. It's a challenge to figure out how to do that. And so I'm you know, trying to listen and learn. But I do want to, whenever I talk about like feminism, I do want to make sure that I'm addressing the different intersections of, of privilege and oppression. I love that. I think that is so important because if we're really honest with ourselves, feminism in the traditional sense is very white. It is very straight and cis, right? So it is really important to make sure we're including everyone when we're talking about feminism and understanding that, you know, for a lot of people, the issue and the fight isn't just being a woman, right? It could be being a woman. It could be being a gay woman. It could be being a trans woman. It could be being a woman of color mm-hmm. and making sure we include those fights. Not fights. What word am I looking for? I don't know. Causes. Yes. Making sure we include those causes in our feminism. Absolutely. We're both tired mm-hmm. moms. So we're, we, we care about this stuff, but sometimes the language is... is... Oh, but the intention is there. So can you tell us where we can find you and what you're up to these days? Sure, absolutely. So I hang out on Instagram, feminist.mom.therapist, as we we talked about, is my handle. I have a private practice where I do teletherapy, working pretty much with moms in North Carolina and in Maryland. So I'm licensed in both places. And people can find me on my website at erinsporetherapy.com. And you are accepting clients right now. I'm a little on the full side, but people can reach out and I have a little wait list that I'm... Reach out and you might get lucky. Yeah. Thank you so much um, for speaking with me today. I really appreciate it. This was a really great chat. I really love it when, you know, two like minds can get together and just bounce off of each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This is great. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Managing Motherhood podcast. I'm your host, Orlisa Poole, and I am so grateful that you took the time to listen. If you liked what you heard, 
please make sure you subscribe so you get alerts every week when I release new episodes. If you know of any other moms who might be feeling overwhelmed, I'd love for you to share this podcast with them. Managing Motherhood provides online therapy and coaching for moms who love their children but aren't loving motherhood. To learn more or to schedule a free consultation, visit psychotherapyformoms.com. Thank you again for tuning into this episode of the Managing Motherhood podcast. See you next time.